Hey y'all, and welcome back to Rachel Profiling. I just want to hop in real quick, do a cute little intro, just you and me, you know, just us chitty-chatting before we jumped into this interview. I couldn't be more excited to share this episode with you. I had the pleasure, the honor, the best of times sharing this conversation with CEO and founder Stephanie Lee of the new mental health and beauty brand, Self Made. They're all about radical self-love. I couldn't be more about it, and I just feel like I haven't truly resonated and felt so validated through a conversation in such a long time. I, You can tell throughout the whole podcast episode, I'm just absolutely in awe of everything she is saying and what she is for and who she is as a person. She was so candid with us and I hope you enjoy this conversation. As much as I enjoyed having it, I really felt like I, I was a little sponge. I absorbed so much. I was learning. I was growing and I really felt seen. So let's get into it. This is an episode with self-made and CEO and founder Stephanie Lee. Welcome back to Rachel Profiling. I have a very exciting episode for you today. I'm joined by a lovely guest, and I'll let her introduce herself a little bit today. But this is, I'm genuinely so excited because they reached out to me a little while ago. First of all, can I ask you, uh, you know, just give yourself a little rundown? What are your pronouns? What are we talking about today? Cool. So, uh, Rachel, love what you're doing. That's what, why we reached out. Um, but essentially, I'm Stephanie Lee. I'm a CEO and founder of Selfmade, which is a new personal care and wellness brand where we create personal care products and digital tools that institute rituals around mental health. I'm also a dog mom. Uh, my best friend is my seven-year-old dog named Finn. Um, and I guess, you know, excited to chat just about what's going on in your life, what's going on in my life, and what's going on in the world, which is a lot. Oh, yeah. We've had quite a week. Literally forgot that a coup happened earlier this week. That was a cute little uh, side plot for this week, I guess, is a good way to put it. Uh, so I wanted to ask you if you could introduce Selfmade a little bit and what it's all about. And I love that in when I was reading the i guess it's like y'all's bio on your website you talk about like quote um politics of beauty which i'm really interested to hear more about and exactly like what that means and what that means to you totally so actually my background i first started my career from college i grew up in the south i went to a public college like went to school for pr communications a minor in business I think I thought I was going to go into like pharmaceutical sales or something like that at that point, because it was like 2008 and that was the first big recession. Right. And um, I think we're kind of going through a similar time. Right. In terms of a downturn and 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 where you guys are in your careers and professional development. I was kind of like, oh, shit, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually joined a campaign, the Obama campaign in 2008 and was a field organizer and with no background in politics, no real understanding other than I just felt really, really inspired to do to do something right. Um, And so I actually have a career in politics before I even got into beauty and personal care. I went on to work um, at the inauguration after he won. I went on to work at the White House uh, for um, the president and in the First Lady's office uh, for a number of years. And that's where I did a lot of learning and 
you know, when it comes to the politics of beauty, it's really about the impact. The politics is really about impact, no matter where you sit in like, no matter where you are, it's about navigating the impact you want to make. And so in terms of the politics of beauty, there's so much about being a woman, a female, a person in this world. Um, and as consumers, we're buying things, we're listening to marketing, we're listening to messages, we're, you know, conditioned with our, you know, tradition, what the traditional and conventional sense of what beautiful is. But because of your generation and the conversations that have been happening, that definition is changing of what beauty is. Like for a long time, you would only see white faces, you know, white skinny bodies. Um, and so it's really about, you know, anywhere where the politics of beauty, how it impacts us, how it impacts how we feel about ourselves, our self-worth and how we show up in the world and where it meets our mental health. That's what self-made is. Ooh, absolutely love that. I want to know how you got from going into politics to going and creating self-made. Like what really do you, if you remember like the specific moment that you thought, oh, like this is what I'm creating. Like this is the name for it. This is what I want to do. That's a good question. I mean, it's a long journey. There's never a formula. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people ask, like, say like, oh my gosh, you have such a crazy career. Cause I went from politics, you know, managing teams across the world, working with air force, you know, secret service, for the first ladies events and travel and logistics to creating products. So I ended up working at Estee Lauder companies and Mac Cosmetics doing product development. And that's really about thinking about that user journey, that sensorial journey, which inherently is emotional. You know, the moment that you put a lipstick to your lips, like a new one, that first break of that lipstick actually has a subconscious feeling, like how hard it is, how soft it is, all of these things, and really thinking about what what is the problem I'm trying to solve? What are the new technologies, ingredients? What does the consumer want? And taking that from an idea to a beaker working with a chemist all the way through to launching the product. And so when I was actually at Mac, I went through a mental health crisis. And as a woman of color, I just didn't have the tools, resources, or community around like feelings. I didn't even know how to feel. You know what I mean? I was like hyper avoidant. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and that I think like you, have a you know Asian Chinese descent and like I'm curious about your own experiences because my Asian family like we just did not talk about feelings so I first of all I'm so excited to talk to you about this because I feel like in ways we kind of have similar not I guess similar situations but very different backgrounds so I'm adopted I'm Vietnamese I'm adopted from Vietnam that's kind of like all I know I did an ancestry DNA and it basically told me I was 80% East Asian and then like a little bit Polynesian mayhaps and I was like okay well uh, this just told me I was Asian and I kind of knew that Uh, but when you mentioned the fact that you know we don't really see or like what the beauty standard is and it just feels like we're not able to take up space in a certain capacity that's a big thing that I realized this year and I don't know if it was like maybe it's just like my coming of age story and this is like something everyone goes through when they're like 18 19 20 or something of that sort but I had this realization when I was writing my college essays because you know like college essays they really they really pull out a different breed of um you know I don't, not to throw this word around lightly, but kind of like it's kind of like what is like a trauma you can kind of capitalize off of to be Absolutely. like, give me money, please, so I can get higher education. Uh, and I realized I really hated being Asian 
for a very long time in my life and well maybe hate is a strong word but I didn't embrace it truly until maybe like a year or two ago because so both my parents are white I grew up in Texas um before that I lived in Maine so it's just there was in Maine there was a lack of diversity around me um my parents tried to they did their best to really try and integrate me I guess into my culture but it was Maine so like the most they could do is take me to the Chinese buffet and they would be like these people look like you and I was like oh hey besties and that's like all I understood from it and then in Texas uh I grew up in kind of like the white suburbs and I didn't realize that how great of effect that had on me until I was looking back and I was reflecting and I was thinking oh like I used to subconsciously like try and you know change like I wanted to be white so bad because I just thought that's like what I had to be to be liked and so I would like turn the saturation down in my photos to make my skin lighter so I'd look like the other girlies around me and I also like I I was like I need to be like petite and wear Vera Bradley and like live in this specific neighborhood which is insane to look back on because like how was I aware of socioeconomic you know like classism and stuff when I'm like 12 subconsciously but that's like a little gist of background but But that's how strong Mm -hmm. those subconscious things are and those subconscious things are the construct of our society, right? Mm. So they're the ones telling us that we do not belong. And so while we don't have the most similar, you know, experiences, we do have lived experiences where we run into these feelings of feeling alone or not belonging. Like I've done the same thing where I've had platinum blonde hair, you know, I've had I went the other way and I went super tan. I mean, I love being tan, which is like Mm -hmm. very much a white girl Southern thing. It's like tanning beds, all all that. But, you know, I think I also similarly didn't recognize nor embrace. I was actually probably resentful that I was so different, you know, and it's a very hard feeling when you're growing up in a world that tells you you don't belong and everything around you reminds you of that. And so in terms of self-mean, and I know I'm jumping ahead about like how that transition worked, but representation is so much deeper than skin color, face shape, size, all of the above. It's really about hearing thoughts, opinions, the voices of people that look like us. And I think that's the most powerful thing about what you're doing too, with like having your friends, you know, there is extraordinarily ordinary people who are doing amazing things in their lives and those are the stories that need to be heard because ultimately those shared experiences are what connects us that sameness of what of joy sadness excitement whatever it is is what makes us so human if we tap into that human we tap into humanity which connects us to a bigger bigger place and so I totally, totally, uh, you know, what your experience resonates me because I grew up in the suburbs. And as a first generation, it was just about assimilation. My parents, Mm -hmm. you know, don't even speak Vietnamese to me. I'm Vietnamese and Chinese. They don't speak Vietnamese to me. They speak English. And so everything was about study, learn, be a doctor, all these things, um, all these pressures and expectations that essentially I've been like, actually, parents, I'm just going to do something totally different. But that took a lot of self-work to be okay with that. And so I went from uh, working at the White House and I moved up to New York with my ex-husband in around 2013, worked at Estee Lauder Companies and Matt Cosmetics doing that product development. I also uh, did a short stint within their venture arm, which is um, you know, acquiring all these smaller beauty brands. How do you bring them into a larger corporate structure? And I remember being around these founders who, of course, are older than me, 
But I was kind of like, well, if they can do it, then I certainly can one day, right? Like um, none of them were Asian. Uh, they were mostly like white, older, came from beauty, but like, you know, there's something about making space, like you said before, making space for myself that was really important to me. I went through a mental health crisis and essentially my ex-husband had an affair with our neighbor. It blew up my world. It's like the worst breakup I've ever had in my life. But I think like the real heartbreak was acknowledging that my expectation of like this life I was going to lead, like cute little brownstone in Brooklyn, cute little dog, happy marriage, dream job was actually the exact opposite. Like everything I knew in the world was the exact opposite and even questioning who I am. And so when I recognized that and went through therapy, like intense therapy for three to four years, I got the privilege to devote so much time, energy, and money to my development, which not a lot of people, especially women of color have, right? So it was an immense amount of privilege. And going through every enlightenment was as like energizing as it was painful, you know? And so recognizing that I was living in a world of beauty that was telling me I'm not good enough and I, and I don't look like anybody, and then working on my, me- and my mental health and my self-worth, those two messages living at the same time were in such conflict that I was like, there has to be better and women deserve better. So it's kind of like, screw it. And I went to go travel around the world for a year, 11 countries. I went to my homeland, our homeland, Vietnam. Oh, love. Yeah, I saw my dad's childhood home where he apparently slept on the floor down this little alley and like recognizing the immense amount of privilege that like I won the DNA lottery, you know, like I could be this young woman serving me pho on the side of the street, but I'm in the US. I lived a corporate life. I've done really amazing things in a short amount of time. So what do I do with that privilege? Right. And so a question that had always been bothering me is, how do I take the lessons of therapy and mental health and all that stuff that exists in an office place with a mental health practitioner? How do I take them outside that building and how do I turn it into a lifestyle? And so when I got back from um, traveling where I spoke to women across the world about mental health and their self-worth, that's where self-made started to be born. You know, And the more I spoke about these experiences, the more I was like, oh my gosh, me too. Like even similar in this conversation, right? And these shared experiences are so important And so by using what we already do to take care of ourselves, whether it's like the serum that we just launched or taking a shower to distress from the day, these are emotional experiences. What if we supercharge them with credible mental health and really use it as a platform for learning? So that's that's a long winded story to like how we got back to the US and started creating self-made, which was really scary. All of it Mm -hmm. was scary. Yeah, well, first of all, I know we literally just met but I want to say I'm so grateful to have met you and that I'm proud of you, even though I like barely know you and you're, you're, you know, I don't know. It's just, it, there's something very encouraging and inspiring to me just to talk to you and, um, I guess see someone, even though it's like, maybe this is surface level, but see someone who looks like me taking charge, you know, being aware of like your cultural background and like taking like what you've been through and growing from that and you know bringing it into like what you want to do in the future and I just had like knowing even um growing up I didn't really know too many other people who were Viet or who were like I didn't know what fun was until like maybe like two or three years ago um yeah you grew up in Texas how could you not 
that's the gag yeah I was like oh Chinese food I'm so in touch <laughs> I'm like I'm not even Chinese <laughs> and now totally. I get it like every week but uh, it's just there's something really encouraging to me just to getting to know you and like having this conversation so I want to thank you for that and for being so candid with me and open about that um I want to ask you well first of all what part of the south are you from I grew up in North Carolina. Well, I was born in Florida, then we moved north to North Carolina. So, like, I used to have like a Southern accent, say oh, y'all, gosh. and all that stuff. I know it's really yeah. weird. The first, <laughs> <laughs> the first time I like when I was in DC and I said you guys instead of y'all, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> who am yeah. I? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I realize like here I become like hyper aware of when I say y'all, and then I say pardon too, which I think that's because when I moved from May to Texas, I went to a private school and they gave me a manners book and they told me I had to say yes ma'am, no sir, and pardon. Mm. And I kind of just stuck with that. But, you know, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, it's so funny how strong it the feeling of wanting to belong is, mm-hmm. right? That we do those things, like even you mentioning about wanting to be white or even like, you know, what is, we kind of like shift ourselves to wherever we are Um, And so something that I really explored throughout my time was this idea of emotional integrity. It's not an idea, it's a concept. And essentially it's, it's, it's showing up as you are without the fear of judgment. And that's the Mm -hmm. hardest part, right? There's emotional intelligence, which is being aware, understanding how you feel, but the action behind emotional intelligence is the integrity. So to show up and know that like, I can feel a certain way, say how I feel, think and whatever, and someone else can have feelings about my, what I've said, but those are theirs. And I don't I don't have to take that responsibility. Yeah, I love that. I think a big theme for like the past year that I've kind of picked up. Well, one thing that you kind of touched on was like, I share this mindset where it's like someone's got to do it. So why can't it be me? Like someone has to mm-hmm. be the person who is like out there creating these things, who is like being the one to speak out on this or this and that. And I love that you mentioned that you just wanted to take that role. And it's like, you know, like they can do that. I can do that too. And then another thing is that like another thing that I've been thinking about lately is no matter what I'm feeling, it's valid. Like the validity of like where I'm at right now, what I'm doing, why I feel that way. No one can take that away from me. So absolutely. I, you know, and the funny thing is like you're how old are you again? I'm 19. Had to think about it for a minute. I didn't learn all this shit till now and I'm 30, I mean, 34, but like I went to therapy, so I was married at 27, divorced at 29, and that's when I started therapy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't learn those things until my 30s. And then, so the fact that you get to do this, right, sit in your feelings, be unapologetic about it is quite incredible. And that's the point of the brand too, is like, how do we talk to young women about how they're how they're feeling and the why and the how versus you know a lot of beauty personal care brands are out there about oh express yourself express yourself Mm -hmm. but how do you express yourself if you don't know yourself and so we're Mm. really about self-exploration before you even get to self-expression and i think that's really important and and thank you for saying that you're proud of me i really appreciate and accept that feeling It, it makes me feel really good inside but it also reminds me like it was really freaking hard. Yeah. It is really freaking hard. Like I don't want to make it sound easy to do this work. If it was easy, everyone would do it and we'd all have like secure attachment styles. We'd all emotionally regulate. We'd all, you know, world peace, the whole gamut. 
but it's not the the muscle of empathy for yourself and for others is a muscle that is continually a work in progress so any brand or person telling you that self-actualization or there's a there's a certain endpoint that like static endpoint of like self-celebration isn't correct it's a continual work in progress and getting used to and embracing that work is the key factor that we happily talk about and want to talk about more and more. So I really appreciate your, you know, like I, I'm in total admiration of your, you and like Gen Z, who's like, so, you know, willing to call out bullshit so quickly, so fast on the internet, loud and publicly, you know, to fill those roles, to be able to identify, here's the feeling and like do the work rather than avoid it because of a higher duty or honor or whatever, or sense of belonging. So there's a lot of work to be done, but I think sharing these stories is what is what is so important. Oh, for sure. And I'm, thank you, first of all. And then I'm, when you mentioned that, I wonder what, if there was like a shift somehow and like why we're so, I don't know if it's maybe the use of social media, but you mentioned how open and upfront we are about just being like hey like that's not okay or you need to like you know just I think a big thing that I see more and more is the willingness to advocate for each other which I really love especially within like the past few months we've had I mean the pandemic we've had and everything so do you think there was some sort of like shift or like what kind of like kicked it into place you it's really interesting because I started thinking about this business well before coronavirus and like Mm -hmm. before if you like for instance I talk to a lot of investors and I'm continually like you know this is an emotional wellness brand centered around mental health mental health was something that was not spoken about when I was growing up and so prior to the pandemic there was a lot of people including millennials who have kind of shifted into a next stage of their lives of like okay I'm in my 30s what have I been doing and is am I happy and, the, and sometimes the answer is not very, you know, it doesn't feel really good. And so I think what has happened is there's already interest. And I think Gen Z just accelerates and is able to hold on to that, that understanding of like what is emotions within their life, or at least that curiosity of it. Because the hardest thing about change is choosing it for yourself, right? And so when you are the times in which most humans choose change is when they're so miserable or so uncomfortable that there is no other answer and they must do it, right? And so I think Gen Z, you've been able to see millennials suffer. You've been able to see your parents suffer, right? From the lack of connection to their emotional selves. And so there's no other answer, right? And so with COVID, we're experiencing a global emotional trauma together. For the first time, we've been told to sit down and stay by ourselves and isolate. When in the world have we ever stayed by ourselves for this long? You know what I mean? And so it's only accelerated the need in the conversation around mental health and emotional health. Um, And so, you know, most people, including myself for a while, like, if you put me with, you know, myself by myself, I will find anything to distract myself, my phone, social media, because sitting in my own thoughts can be really uncomfortable, but we have no choice. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of like, it was already happening, but COVID in itself, it pushed it over the edge. And now it's forefront. It's a 
civic duty. It's a necessity of being human, you know, and businesses are changing because of of humans wanting to be human again. For sure. Yeah, I really like that you mentioned, I feel like you talk a lot about like the holistic idea of self-made and I was wondering if there was like a specific moment where you're like, this is what I want to do with it or like what um, really like kicked into action or like what you had to do. Sorry, this is like a lot of (laughs) different questions, but I'm just so intrigued to know what was like the if there was like a, a flip of a switch where you're like I know what I want to do with this now I know like what my I guess like was going to be most fulfilling from this yeah the answer is no because <laughs> I mean like the thing is it's an iterative process mm-hmm. you know like I think for a long time after when I was depressed I would talk to a lot of people similar to how you're talking and I was like okay but like what's your passion how did you find your passion right and everyone's like oh just follow your passion I'm like, what the F is my passion and how the hell do I find it? And I was like, you know what? You, 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 everyone who knows what their passion is are so lucky, right? You should feel gratitude that you can find it off the bat because it hasn't, I don't know. I didn't know what my passion was for a very long time. And in fact, I had to recognize that actually it's about saying yes to what inspires me you know, even if it doesn't lead me anywhere, but just trying what inspires me. So I actually did a a summer of yes. I said yes to everything. I went skydiving, uh, which was amazing and terrifying. Um, I said yes to dates. I said yes to going out there. It was like a summer of not sleeping, essentially. And there were probably a lot of choices that I shouldn't have made. But then there are also a lot of choices that I'm grateful that I would never have done. So that was part of it. And then the next iteration, I was like, I want to do a year of inspiration. So I emailed all my friends and I was like, what have, what are the top three things that have inspired you? Whether it be books, a painting, a place, a a ritual, a journey. And it was incredible to see, and I emailed, you know, dude friends too. It was incredible to see the responses, whether it was like a painting at a specific museum, a book, volunteering, Some people were like a specific drug, like, you know, it was really interesting to see what makes people tick. And so I tried a few of them. One of them was like, go to a bakery and and buy everything and just taste, like sit in the pleasure of tasting. Right. And so, but I realized these are other people's inspirations after Mm -hmm. a while. And so how do I create my own? And that's when I went traveling. And so, like I said, it's an iterative process. I knew I wanted to do something on my own. I knew I wanted to do something that would challenge me and be something that I felt passionate about, but it was I wasn't certain what it was. And as I was traveling, as I was talking to people, and as I was following what inspires me, uh, inspired me, that's how I got closer and closer to what this business is. And one particular story, I actually went to uh, an island in Thailand called Copenhagen. It's like a southern island on the eastern side of Thailand. And it's supposed to like have a crystal in the middle of the island, you know, all this like, like, hippy dippy lovely (laughs) loveliness right and so it's funny because it's like i went there and i went to a place that was like a healing center and i was like oh my gosh i'm so excited like i'm in this this moment of like you know manifesting and you know all the like hippy dippy like you know surrendering surrendering myself to this and it was a place that i was like oh i'm gonna i've been doing yoga for ages we're gonna do really awesome yoga there's a vegan buffet i've never been vegan in my life before so that was a little scary 
and we'll see what happens. And when I got there, what I actually, and this was, I think, when you're saying about that, one of the light bulb moments, it was interesting because there are a lot of people like me who quit their corporate jobs and just left, right? And they're like searching for themselves. And when you search for yourself, it's a very vulnerable place. And when I got to this place, it was almost run in a cultish way. You know, like, uh, you know, the way that they preached about things, the way they kind of did mm -hmm. some forced actualization, like pushed you into really uncomfortable places rather than choosing it for yourself. Uh, the vegan buffet was amazing. But what I realized was that the people serving me this vegan buffet look more like me than anyone else sitting at the table with me. Everyone else was from privilege and was white. And I said, there is something fundamentally wrong with the idea of wellness and how it's marketed and how it's presented, especially for women of color. And especially because it pushes, it's, it pushes you to a place where you may not be ready to go. So I started percolating on the idea of like pseudo spirituality, you know, and, and crystals and, you know, what we're kind of being fed from a consumer standpoint. And don't get me wrong, I have uh, done a drum, you know, circle with strangers Ooh. to like let go of, you know, past whatevers, you know, I've done, you know, manifestation and moon gatherings, I've done the whole gamut. Mm -hmm. And then I've also done antidepressants and I've done lots of therapy, you know, and so there's something about pseudo spirituality and there's something about pop therapy that is leading us down a really scary place yeah. for people who are searching for themselves and vulnerable. And so how do you inject credible mental health and lessons into something that someone's going to take to their vanity or keep in their drawer like you have at the moment or serum, you know, yeah. <laughs> how do we meet you where you are with credibility? And that's why we actually the whole entire brand, we have two really fantastic mental health experts. One is a psychologist. Her name is Dr. Joshana Johnson. She's a black woman. She specializes in intimacy and sexual wellness, and she's fantastic. We have another mental health expert who is a, a psychiatrist um, named Dr. Byron Young, and he works with communities of color um, and is really passionate about social justice. And we work with them intensely in order to um, create products and create a community environment for this learning. So for instance, our first product is Secure Attachment. It's a really, I mean, like, tell you can it, tell me about it. It goes hard. <laughs> Let me tell you that. When y'all sent it to me, I was so excited because one, uh, the way that you and I kind of got to know each other is through my friend Claudia from home, who y'all know because I did an episode with her about ableism. And Claudia and I grew up together and she, I'm so grateful she mentioned, uh, I guess, racial profiling to you guys. And yeah. then y'all sent me Secure Attachment and I use it every day. And y'all <laughs> sent it to me maybe like, I think late November and it's like halfway done now and we're in like mid-January. And it's it's kind of like, it's like my morning routine and I wake up and I put it on and I just, it kind of makes me feel put together in a way because mm -hmm. I don't really use a lot of products like ever. I kind of use glossy before but I was just like yeah I'm, I'm doing my thing I think this is what I'm supposed to do blah 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 blah. but there's something I don't know maybe it's I think it's the whole knowing the community that you're trying to build because community is so huge to me and oh. I love what y'all's purpose and I think fulfillment is with mm -hmm. like what you're trying to build as a community but also as a product so I'm personally I'm a huge fan I'm, <laughs> I love it and yeah. I love um like when with the package you sent, it was kind of like, um, 
I guess like a brief bio about you too which I really appreciate getting to know you a lot through that because it makes me feel like more in touch with like what I am consuming being more aware of like what you know like what we're putting our money into what we're like using every day to day uh and I just it made me more like interested in like first of all I want to know what more stuff y'all are gonna do because I will be (laughs) I will be on the website but also I just it made me so excited to get to know you because I wanted to if it's okay I want well if you want to talk a little bit more about secure attachment first because I feel like there's still a lot more I want to learn about it yeah yeah so um well a thank you I'm so excited that you're excited because I absolutely love it our whole team does um and so Secure attachment is kind of like a multifunctional serum Mm -hmm. that you can use as a primer, that you can use as a one and done. It's really beautiful. It's all about moisturizing and hydrating. So like when you first use it, um, it breaks onto your skin kind of like a wave. So you're instantly hydrated. It feels really fantastic and absorbs so quickly because have you ever been dry on the outside and on the inside? Yes. Have you ever felt that way? I live in Boston. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like it sinks into your skin in that way that really makes you feel hydrated all day. And actually we just got Mm -hmm. our clinicals back and, and, um, and it does uh, have all day hydration, which is really amazing. But what we have in it is um, a certain active that is um, that actually uh, lowers the cortisol level within your skin, um, which is your stress hormone. So really looking at you as a whole human being rather than just, oh, you have dry skin, here you go. Or, oh, you have a zit, here you go. And so really thinking about how your emotional and mental self shows up in your skin and body function is the premise of every product that we create. And so, yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it primes, but it also is, has the intention to um, speak to your emotional self. And it's called secure attachment. And secure attachment is actually a psychological concept. It's around attachment styles. So how do you securely attach with yourself for true bonding? How, how do you actually create emotional boundaries? Um, all of those really great things that we we as people should skill build around because that's what continues to be the template of how we create relationships over and over again. The relationship we have with ourselves is the and our first caregivers, which is our parents or your adoptive parents or grandparents, whoever it might be, who your caregivers are, we create that template over and over again in our friendships in our romantic relationships and so for me when i was talking about my ex-husband you know i was really insecure my parents were working class you know working class immigrants and my dad was you know a computer programmer so he was kind of like working his ass off day and night to provide for us while we were really poor so my parents were essentially emotionally absent for a very long time so i chose people in my life were emotionally unavailable. I created that uh, that pattern over and over again. So if we learn about ourselves, learn about our template for relationships, we can change those things. So that's the whole point. And we actually have a digital tool that's 21 days of exploring your own attachment um, style with that's free with purchase with the Secure Attachment Comfort Serum. So it's creating this environment and community around learning and sharing our experiences around these rites of passages. That's so cool. First of all, though, when you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned with in the serum, it's something that goes in. Can you re- reiterate that? Because I want to say it wrong. Uh, with the serum, which part? Sorry. It was the be- it was towards the beginning of it because I was like, that makes so much sense. Uh, because oh, I think you- was it about the emotional, mental? Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, 
essentially foundational to the brand and how we develop products is that we know that your emotional and mental health affects your skin and body function. So for instance, one day, you know, you have a test coming up, you feel triggered by it and it's stressful, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you don't sleep well, you don't eat well, you don't drink enough water and all of a sudden a zit comes, right? And so it's like this cycle of it. And for women in particular, because our worth is so tied to our appearance from a societal point of view, we get worried about that zit. We actually get anxious about that yeah. zit, right? And like hyper aware. Hyper aware, kind of self-conscious. We cover mm -hmm. it up. Um, we do anything we can. And for other people like myself, we love to pick it. I'm like, ew, this thing is on my face. I want to get rid of it. And I pick it. And then I go into an additional cycle of stress because I've just traumatized my skin. Mm. Now, because I have melanin skin, I'm going to have hyperpigmentation. I'm going to have scarring, all of the above. So if we can recognize and change root cause or at least confront root cause, which is stress and anxiety, then maybe we can stop doing that cycle of damage to our skin, right? So it's not mm -hmm. about what's your 10-step skincare routine. It's actually about what's my emotional, uh, mental state and how is it affecting my skin? I love that. I never realized how much... I Well, I guess... I, I've just never heard any other brand talk about like the in-depth stuff about it, which I love how open and transparent you guys are about it, which is so cool. Uh, if it's okay, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about you and like your experiences. Sure. Because I just think you're, I just think you're such a cool person, to be honest. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, I want to look up to her so bad. And I just think your career has been, it's so cool to see you do all these things and um, hearing about like what your life was like from politics to beauty, which is, I feel like, I don't know, I, every, every other day I go between like, I know I want to be a teacher in the long run. Mm. And then I'm like, what if I wanted to pol I watch like AOC talk for like one minute. I'm like, what if I wanted to politics? And then I'm like, maybe I want to be an activist too. And maybe I want, and then I'm like, I guess I could do it all. But then I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm paying like 200,000 at Berkeley to teach some kids. Um, so I'm going to be in very much debt, but <laughs> I love hearing everything about your life. And I want to ask you a little bit about uh, what it was like going, did you say you went to Vietnam at one point? Yeah, I went to Vietnam October 2018 for the first time. Was that, I feel like that'd be a whole, I don't know, maybe just, have you been before? No, oh, I've wow. never been before. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like it'd be like a whole cultural awakening oh situation. Absolutely. It was, so first of all, you speaking about all the things you want to do in your life is absolutely possible. Um, so it's only like, sometimes I'm like, if I ever say to myself, oh, I can't do this. I try to remember who's the first person that told me I couldn't do it. Um, that's the voice that's telling me I can't do it. And I'm choosing to do it. Right. So it's of my own volition. And this whole brand is about mm -hmm. unbucketable women. You can love beautiful things. You can love activism. You know what I mean? Like you can do nail art and you can go like, you know, into politics or like neuroscience or whatever you want to do, you know? So it's not about just one shade of a, of a person it's about yeah. all the shades and we're really complex human beings so vietnam i went for the first time in october um and it was pretty incredible because as a person similar to you i've grown up in very white and black spaces and so you know not seeing myself represented not seeing anyone that i could actually share lived experiences with was actually isolating you know mm -hmm. like i didn't realize how alone i actually felt growing up in the south and so when I went there for the first time, it was incredible to be a part of the majority. 
I have never been in a place where faces that look like myself are actually the majority. And I remember I was in the countryside in, oh, Hajang, which is the northern, most northern point of Vietnam. You can go to this tower and look into China. And so I went to Hajang and it's, it's like, you know, the rice terraces and the patties, like it's very uh, touristic and beautiful from that point of view. But it actually infrastructure wise hasn't caught up with tourism. Like it's the, it'll be the, whenever we get back from COVID, it'll be the next wave of tourism. And so we went to a really small town and I went on a walk around that town and there was like a little girl, probably seven years old, riding her bike and she was with her friends. And I understand Vietnamese, but I don't know how to speak Vietnamese. But I heard her say, oh, look, that girl looks like us. And like, I have stood out my whole entire life. I've been, I've stuck out like a sore thumb. And even when I'm traveling, I stick out like a sore thumb because I dress American. We have a certain way of being, right? And for her to say she looks like us, I have never had anyone say that to me. And it was, it was an incredibly poignant thing for me in that time because it just highlighted how much I've never felt that feeling of belonging, yeah. right? And so it was really lovely. I tried to speak to her, but of course the, the conversation barrier, but Vietnam is beautiful and it, it really, I understand why I am the way I am by going to my homeland. You know, like every permutation of how I've shown up and become an American person, I still have roots and I still have these these little quirks of who I who I am as a as a Vietnamese Chinese person because of where I came from for like even down to like my skin does not love dry dryness like mm -hmm. I am not a desert person like I belong in a jungle and love humidity even though I don't love it in terms of like feeling my skin loves humidity because yeah. that's where I my ancestors are from so it's pretty incredible to to finally see where my roots are and that's that really strengthened my own attachment style to myself my relationship to myself, knowing who I am and knowing where I came from, even if it's just a snapshot. That's so cool. I think that really shows a lot just like, I don't know, The I mentioned earlier how a big thing that I've realized in my life is like the need to be able to take up space and like see people who look like me and just getting to talk to you gets me so excited because I feel like I haven't really resonated with anyone this much on this because I've kind of fallen in this like weird limbo not to sound like cliche but where it's like you know I'm adopted so I'm not white obviously but <laughs> I'm not necessarily like Asian I don't feel like Asian enough in a certain sense because and I think part of it too is because like I fed into what people were telling me at school where it's like oh like Rachel's the whitewashed Asian haha -ha. like mm -hmm. she goes and gets Starbucks and you know she's bad at math and I'm like yeah uh, like that's that's <laughs> who I am and I like fed into that so that kind of inherently made me have this not disgust but just like something where I was like oh I'm like don't associate that with me like I don't want to know anything about my heritage I, I used to say like I never wanted to go back to Vietnam but I think part of the reason I would say that too is because I'm genuinely like very scared for like what yeah. how much I think I would realize or in a way like feel like I'm missing out to a certain degree but it's been such a journey and I feel like I'm finally coming to a place where I'm more at peace with myself and I really embrace who I am and culturally and all of that and it's come with many hurdles but I feel like it's helped me overall grow a lot as a person to be able to talk to you about this it just makes it feel very validating 
because there's I there are limited people in my life who I've met where they're like oh I've had a similar situation but then when I do talk to them about it's insane because it's it aligns in so many different ways where it's like not feeling well part of that's because I'm model minority enough but not feeling (laughs) Asian enough not like or not like being white enough in like my community or something of that sort Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit because I know for me growing up there was like so in high school we'd have homecoming week and where everyone dressed up as like characters and so you know there was like being kind of like racially ambiguous asian there's like four people i could be uh, moana as of recently um boo from monsters inc M- mulan maybe a stretch and then lilo and then because <laughs> i just feel like i never saw anyone who looked mm-hmm. like me. So I was wondering if you had anyone growing up that you looked up to, whether it be in like traditional media or just like in your life and that really inspired you. Sadly, we have a similar experience around mm. that. Um, you know, it's interesting because obviously I'm uh, a generation older than you, but I've had similar experiences about my cousins calling me a banana, yellow on the outside, white on the inside. Yeah. I got vanilla Oreo. Yes. Twinkie, whatever it mm-hmm. might be. And like, you know, when you say I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough, it really resonates with me because it's this idea, it's a worth gap. And anything that creates a worth gap is something that I refuse to invite into my life anymore. I am enough. And part of this brand is about recognizing our inherent worthiness, period. That's Mm -hmm. it. You do, because you are born, you are worthy. And that is it. Also, like, Another thing I'm so I'm like really looking forward to is like as you guys as Gen Z comes of age because it is the most racially diverse, ideologically diverse generation to date, and within you know the next couple of decades you will be the largest generation, and 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 a lot of these things that you're feeling about you know not you know not fitting in this bucket, not fitting in that bucket, those lines get blurrier and blurrier, and so mm-hmm. you create your own bucket as you grow up. And so it's interesting because my co-founder, um, she she was asking, we were about to do some like founder content or something that for sh- a shoot. And so we're coming up with questions. And she so she asked me, she's like, so who's your role model? And I was like, oh my God, I don't know, me? Like, it's always been me. Like, I've been my role model. And she's like, oh, weird. She, I was like, okay, then who's your role model? You know? And she was like, Brene Brown. It was like super easy, super fast. And she's like, but what about Michelle Obama? I was like, I respect Michelle Obama. I've obviously worked for her, but she's not my role model. And like, Mm -hmm. it took me a couple of days to like marinate um, and sit on it. But I realized the same exact thing is like, I have never seen an outspoken, loud, motivated, ambitious Asian woman just kill it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like you say model minority, you know, I think any Asian, you know, woman who's out there that's leading a brand that I know of so far is, you know, isn't the outspoken, just like hard, you know, hard ass kind of like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, just putting it out there and like unapologetic. Yeah, that's where I was looking for. Just so so out there, outspoken about it, like just very unapologetically proud about being Asian. Yes, exactly. And so that's the hard thing. For me, and I'm, I, you know, I'm searching for, I'm maybe be one, like, I am my own unfortunate role model because there hasn't been any before me that I can identify with. And, and that's why, like, you know, it is that re- goes back to full circle representation, you know, hearing the stories, the thoughts, the opinions, because those are the people that tell us that we can do these things, right? 
um, the pathway is there. So it's, it's just harder because we're pioneering it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That the more I think about it, because let's see, I think it was actually like maybe two podcast episodes ago. And I was like, where do I want to go with this? Like, who would I love to interview? And I named like, there's like, I think three or four women in traditional media who I've always looked up to or who've just, I've actually like always seen at the forefront of things. And that's Michelle Obama, Mindy Kaling, Tracy Ellis Ross. And I feel like I'm forgetting one of them. But (laughs) I, then I thought about, I was like, none of the, not that, you know, it's so good to see women of color just in general be able to take up space. But Mm -hmm. I realized like, there's no one who I've really thought of who I was like, oh, she looks like me. I can do what she's doing one day. Uh, yeah. You know, like it, I was like the only person who I think I acknowledged was Asian that I saw from a young age was London Tipton from like the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, so fashionable love. And I still think she's really cool. Love Brenda's song, Pass the Plate. But I think what really struck a chord with me this year is realizing I, <laughs> I paid attention, like I was so hyper aware of my reaction afterwards when I saw the trailer for the new Disney princess who is Southeast Asian and I got so excited, like maybe too excited, but it sent me something like I was just like someone who finally looks like me. Like I don't have to pander anymore. I'm not like, oh, like maybe I can kind of look like Moana because, you know, Ancestry DNA said I was 11% Polynesian or it's like, I guess Mulan works because she's also Asian, but someone who looks like me who was from like the area that I'm you know that is like homeland which is just insane to look back and I was like wow it's kind of sad that my reaction to that was just so over the moon because I've never seen anyone like that before in as like a Disney princess yeah yeah and those are the fairy tales we grew up you know Mm -hmm. and like it's you know when I think about like attachment styles or whatever like because I came from immigrant parents and first generation I learned about relationships through movies and tv which by the way is a PSA do not learn about relationships from movies and tv I I need to hear that because I everything I'm just like I'm living in a sitcom it's a rom-com my life is like I'm trying to make my life a rom-com so it's like Mindy Kaling when she started that show right it's absolutely mm-hmm. true that we turn to these things and they give us really unrealistic ideas of what love is. Love is not passion and butterflies 24 seven. I went to a meditation um, uh, workshop like ages ago when I first was going through my depression. And the guy was like, love is when two people can sit through discomfort, hold hands and get to the other side together. And I was like, oh my God, you just changed my whole world because I literally, would have never defined it as that, but it is exactly like that, right? To have that security and safety enough in a relationship that you can show up with your like ugly self and still like feel accepted and, and loved. Like what? That's crazy. Yeah. You know, that's not what I saw in the movies. <laughs> I thought it was just like clueless, you know, where you end up dating your oh, ex stepbrother. <laughs> which is the yeah, more you think about it, the more whack that is. But Oh totally, totally. But yeah. And, and that's what, like, again, these real stories and these real lived experiences are so important in talking about these things because, you know, we keep it inside. We never share. We never learn yeah. from each other. And that connection is so valuable. Yeah, that's why I really loved when you asked me earlier before we started recording, like, why I started Rachel Profiling. And I think I grasped the whole 
reason why I want to do this is because I feel like everyone has something that makes them them that they're so passionate about or that they identify with and I feel like that's a conversation we need to have more often where it's just you're able to fully express yourself and you know acknowledge like this is what makes you you and why you love that and what makes you get up in the morning and so that's another reason why I love your brand because I feel like it just aligns so much with how I've been trying to grow as a person especially like being in college like you said earlier on I mean we freshman year of college was you know suddenly we're in a panty we're in the panoramic and having to sit by yourself and I didn't realize I was able to sit by myself because I just never had to do that before but it was such a growth time for me where I realized like oh I think I actually like who I am and that was crazy to me and I was like but this shouldn't be that insane but it was such a moment of realization where it's like, oh, like, I'm so sad this freshman year because it was so hard transitioning to college a lot harder than anyone had, you know, kind of built it up to be because everyone's like, la-di-da-di-da, like, college is the best time of your life. And I was like, if college is the best time of my life, then why am I so sad right now? <laughs> uh, but I feel like everything you said, I just resonated with so much. Yeah, it's the human experience, right? And, mm-hmm. like, the tagline of this whole thing that we, we talk about is, like, the beauty of the human experience, right? The yes. ups, the downs, the rawness, the vulnerability, all that stuff is what makes life so beautiful. And 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 feeling the the volume of all of those things remind us we're human. So Yeah. I have one last question for you because I feel like we've kind of touched on a little bit of everything unless you want to talk about some more specifics about self-made because I think it's great. Actually, can I ask you about your junior advisory board real quick? Yes, that's Claudia. Claudia is on Love our junior Claudia. advisory board. Well, you know, this brand is really like, we're not pretending to be anything we're not. And mm-hmm. so because we're building it specifically for Gen Z, who is better experts than Gen Zers themselves. And so we have a really fantastic board of eight Gen Z women with diverse backgrounds. Some of them, you know, have done internships in refugee policies. Some have, you know, want to be immigration lawyers, you know, the unbucketable woman, right? Um, who have been our sounding board for building this uh, this brand, and, and it's been really incredible to uh, build it with them. And so we're doing cohorts every year. So we'll uh, be recruiting for a new class, um, probably in April. So I'll definitely be in touch. Um, but if anyone you know out there is interested in getting involved and in, in really being heard. Uh, I have somewhere for you to go basically I love that and I love the phrase I use unbucketable women because I feel like that's the perfect way to put it when I've just I feel like I'm always trying to string these words together to sound you know like I have like some I don't know verbose syntax <laughs> vernacular like I know what I'm talking about when reality is just like I just want to be seen yep and I feel like that's a great way to put it, and be able to do everything I want to accomplish and be supported with that in my life mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, Validation is powerful. It so much is. And I didn't realize that until this year. And then I feel like I'm preaching over and over to my roommate because I'm always talking about like, you know what, no matter what our feelings are valid and so <laughs> on and so forth, because there's just like accumulation of things going on in our world right now, which is so insane that try to, I feel like, I mean, I don't need to tell you like that just, it you understand that's like, I feel like if it's not one thing, it's another. Like, my roommate and I joke all the time. We're like, "Uh, the minority house, because Berkeley, I didn't realize, first of all, how racist Boston is and how undiverse it is. Uh, Because Berkeley prides itself on being super duper diverse, but then it's like 6% black student body. It's, I think, 11% Asian. And then it has um, just a lot of 
international students who is their diversity and then it's the rest of it's like a white student body mm-hmm. and so then it's this very segregating feeling even coming to college when I feel like college should be you know I should be in like a melting pot and then totally. I look back and I realize like even though I was trying to be like this like quote-unquote like whitewashed Rachel and I was really feeding into that in Texas I realized I didn't appreciate what I had at the time because it had never sorry Boston they're on the move right now um <laughs> it yeah city living just a city girl but I didn't realize how diverse like we looked like the pamphlets that they show in colleges when I hung out with my friend groups and I didn't that really shaped me as a person in like good and bad ways um being able to finally find that group of people who I felt seen with where it was like a holistic like they see me as Rachel they don't see me as like the whitewashed Asian or like Rachel who does this Rachel who does that it's just like they see me for me Mm-hmm. and I so just self-defined I, you which I think is the difference yes. right when mm-hmm. you self-define who you are versus having someone prescribe who you are to you two very different things that's a very good way to put it yeah so that long drawn explanation was just to say that I love the phrase that you use to explain that and that it feels even having this conversation makes me feel more represented but one last question about you and about self-made because I'm so excited for everything that you're going to accomplish and I can't wait to see you prosper uh, continue <laughs> prosper but I want to ask you what your dream is for self-made honestly oh, well I have so many dreams right like I told you it's an mm-hmm. iterative process you know um so one of them is that we become it inspires a generation of mental health activists right that we can advocate for ourselves and for the larger humanity of like womanhood or whatever that might be i think that's one thing and then the other thing is that this the way that we do business and talk about emotional health and integrate it into consumer products or whatever it might be is replicatable that we think human first versus you know consumer or a number or whatever it is um, how we see how we see each other so how do we put mental and emotional well-being you know at the at a top priority for instance at a college um, you know at a business at, um, there's so many things about our emotional well-being skills vocabulary coping mechanisms that I never learned in high school or college like, can I make a spreadsheet? Hell yeah. Is it good? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, can I read English literature and perhaps comprehend some of the Shakespearean Somehow language? analyze it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. But no one ever taught me how to sit with my feelings. No one ever taught me how to question why, how, how do I live my best life? I've seen like a million memes and like, you know, Instagram posts about you know, love yourself, how yourself, live your best life, treat yourself, how. And so that's really the dream is that we can answer the question of how together. Love that. Well, thank you so much for being on today. If there's anything else you want to say, I just want to say, I mean, I feel like I'm just saying this over and over. So I hope I don't, (laughs) I just want (laughs) it like that. I'm not like overburdening you with this, but I just want to say how much I really appreciate you and how much I appreciate how candid and open you are with me and with the podcast. And I feel like I grew even from this conversation and I'm just so excited to have known you now. So now I can continue to look up to you because I just think you're a boss ass woman running it. (laughs) And for me, it feels like, oh, finally, there's someone who looks like me that I can look up to who I see just being unapologetically Asian and doing the thing. 
Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, like, yes, continue to look up to me if you want, but this is really about how do we do this together. Mm -hmm. So don't forget that piece. And I guess, you know, the last thing I will say about self-made is that it really is an invitation um, for folks to join our community. You know, this is a brand that is a baby brand that is continually shaped by the voices and people who show up. And showing up is the best way uh, consistently to create a secure attachment. And that's what we're trying to do with our community here is build a really strong foundation of unbucketable women who see a better future and about brands, you know, that they deserve and respect them. Mm -hmm. So really excited to have this chat. And thank you so much for asking such great questions. Thank you. Thank you for having this conversation with me. You guys can follow, isn't it, at beselfmade.co? Co. Yep. You got yes. it, girl. Awesome. Yeah. So go follow them on the gram. They have a really cute feed. They're doing the <laughs> damn thing. Go follow them. Go get yourself secure attachment because I am here to tell you right now that honestly, it's like I wake up, I put it on, I go walk the dog and I feel ready to go with my day. It feels Love like it. it's a part of like my daily routine to just get myself up and running and being productive and being able to do all the things that we talked about today. So thank you Amazing. so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate you. Thank you. We'll chat soon. Thank you guys. Wait, 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 don't go. I just want to thank Stephanie once again for having this conversation with me. I felt so seen and validated through every topic that we covered. And I want to also thank her team for reaching out to me, being so kind and communicative, and really made me feel so welcome to have this conversation. So their team is just great, right? Right, audience? I know you just said yes. So they were so considerate to give us listeners of Rachel Profiling a code to their common room, which is what Stephanie and I mentioned a little bit earlier on when they talked about the 21 days of secure attachment on their website at beselfmade.co. And the code is rprofiling15. R as in Rachel, R as in Rad, R as in anything good that starts with an R, rprofiling15, all one word. Go check it out. It's to their common room. Go check out their secure attachment, which is their first product. And thank you again. I love and appreciate you guys. Hope you all live, laugh, love this week. And I'll catch y'all next week for another episode of Rachel Profiling. Toodles. 